All right, guys, welcome back. I have no idea what episode this is, but it's going to be a good one. We got Mike Isom in the studio today. Mike, thank you for coming. Happy to be here. You've become a good friend. And cool. we kind of, uh, Darren, Darren Miller yeah. was the one that introduced yeah. us. We went to lunch. Yeah. And you kind of told me, dude, I didn't know why the heck we were meeting for lunch. I didn't yeah. know you. I didn't know Darren, who Darren you were. knew me. He knew you. And he's like, you guys need to meet. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we knew. You know what I did for work. You know who I was. Nothing. Yeah. And I kind of similar. He just said that you did something called Wake Up Warrior. You did Masterminds. And Darren's like, dude, you need to get involved in some of this stuff. So yeah. anyway, Mike is a, an amazing guy. He's been involved in a lot of different things. I mean, from like play to, you know, like your off-roading stuff to business making millions losing it all and then building it back up and more yeah. um you have a great relationship with your wife and your family and that has even had its ups and downs and you've learned a lot there maybe we can dive into that i don't know whatever you want sure. to. i know you're pretty open yeah. but this is a guy that's done things at a high level in all the things in his life that he cares about and he's been to rock bottom he's been to the top he's he's, he's seen it all so i'm excited to have mike on the podcast today Mike, how's that for an introduction? Is that okay? <laughs> That's great, man. Feels good. And one of the things that I, you know, I want to share this with you guys. Um, this is a book that you just wrote. Yeah. And I'm 30 out. pages in, and I'll tell you, it's great. It's called What We're Worth, and this is his story. We're going to talk about it a little bit today, but okay. where can they find this really quick if they want to read this? Amazon's the best place. Yeah. So go on Amazon if you're curious. It's, it's a quick read, and it's a smooth read. It's like, what, 90 pages or yep. something like that? Yep. Anyway. Story. It's a business fable. So listen, I mean, look, we're going to get into this. And if you feel like you want to learn more about Mike's story, I think this is a great book for you. But let's jump in. I mean, you're okay. from here, yes. Southern Utah, born and raised. I didn't know that about you, yeah. right? But I actually know some of your family. And then you got involved. Like, what? I remember your, the story. Maybe we'll start here about you selling cell phones back yeah. in like the AT&T days. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and how you got started in business and figured, hey, I can make some money in my life. Yeah. Well, and before Cellular One, in seventh grade, going to Dixie Middle School, I took a job at uh, uh, Cycletown Yamaha on uh, West St. George Boulevard, $2.25 an hour. <laughs> and I was washing bikes, sweeping floors, emptying trash, and that's how I earned money to pay for things that I wanted, clothes, motorcycles, and dating girls. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it didn't come from money. In fact, my senior year of high school, I paid my mom rent to live. And, uh, so when my first year of college, I responded to an ad to sell cell phones. Mm. And in 1993, prior to August of 1993, there was one choice that was called Comnet Cellular. So people that had cell phones, which were the big Motorola brick phones or the bag phones back then, there was one choice as a monopoly. Yeah. And Cellular One came in and Becky Brinkerhoff became the manager who was the lead sales rep for Comnet Cellular, but they recruited her to open up Cellular One as the manager. And she hired me and Corey Gubler from Hurricane to become the two sales reps with her to represent Cellular One. So I'm 22 years old, I'm engaged to be married, I'm making $50 a month payments on the wedding ring that I financed at MacArthur Jewelers, Jewelers <laughs> for 2,500 bucks because I didn't have the cash. Yeah. And my first 30 days of selling cell phones in August of 1993, I made $20,000. And I look at this <laughs> check, I hadn't made 20 grand in a year, let alone in 30 days. Yeah. And I. And so I kept selling cell phones. 
Yeah. From August of 1993 through 1999, making that amount of money and more every single month. Crazy. Which exposed me to real estate investing. And I had a small interest in a convenience store in Las Vegas. And I had my IRAs and 401k. And I had a life insurance policy that it was uh, tied to the stock market. And, you know, during the 1990s, the solution was the stock market, you know, the whole dot-com era. Yeah. And so when I left Cellular One, I went and interviewed at Merrill Lynch because my good friend from high school, Chuck Barton, worked at Merrill Lynch, and I thought that was the solution. And then that's what got me into the financial services industry to learn about money and finance. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, 1900s, 1990s, making 20000 a month and more from there. That's an insane amount of money. Like I was born oh, yeah. in 91. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just remember like eight years old, I could buy a candy bar for like 25 cents, which I know there's crazier <laughs> stories. I can buy a hamburger for five cents or whatever, but I've heard all those. But what I'm getting at is like, that's an insane amount of money yeah. for anyone back then, like grown adults, but you're 22. Yeah. And that's didn't crazy. come from money. And you didn't come from money. Yeah. So I'm, I kind of want to ask the question right there is like, I, I asked this one a lot. But did it just hit you like, oh, I can make money? Or did you always feel like, hey, I can make money? No, it hit me then. That's and it That's took, when you believed took, in yourself. It took months of that. Because, though, okay, I did oh. it the first 30 days. Oop, I did can it I replicate again. it? Yeah, w w I, I didn't have a, a past of doing that. I didn't have any history or, right. or evidence of anything like that happening long term. I was just talking to somebody about this today. Uh, not today, maybe yesterday. It was like... Hey, that's great if you can make a hundred grand in a month, but can you do it again? Yeah. Can you do it again? Yeah. So I think that's interesting. So because you were be able to repeat mm -hmm. and you did it for what, six years? Is that what you said? About six years? Yeah, just over six years. And you're just consistently doing it. You're like, hey, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Like I can do this thing. I yeah. can sell stuff. Yeah. So then I got in the financial services industry in 2000 and that's when I met Garrett Gunderson, Ray Hooper and Les McGuire. And the four of us started a company together. And a lot, of, a lot of people probably remember or know Garrett or have heard his, his Garrett name Gunderson. too. Oh, yeah. Big name. Yeah. yeah. The, the yeah, other two, they might not know, and you're about to tell us why. Yeah. Crazy yeah. story. Yeah, it is. Um, so the four of us started marketing together, and we didn't start sharing any revenue until January of 2006. So from 2000 through 2006, and we hired a CFO, and we had some common things that we were doing together besides the name that we were marketing under. And we merged our businesses together and started sharing revenue. And we also bought into a sixth share of a turboprop airplane called a Lancer. And that turboprop airplane had a pilot, uh, Blaine Pugmire, that was certified to fly, fly the plane for the six different owners of it. And we were one of the six owners. Mm. So I flew in it the first week. The second week, Ray and Les flew from Provo, Utah to St. George. We did a seminar June 8th of 2006 together here in St. George. My assistant took him to the airport at like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And they left St. George on their way back to Provo, Utah, but they never landed at the airport. And the reason why is because they had a microburst cloud on their final approach into the runway over Utah Lake at the Provo airport that threw them a thousand feet up in the air and straight into the water and killed all three men instantly. And those were two of your partners? My two partners, Ray and Les. Yeah. I got the phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning. 
I was the first one to get the phone call because of the the plane and the number on the back of the plane. They called me and, hey, they were in St. George. I'm like, okay, we verified that they left. They didn't know if they'd crashed yet. They didn't know because there's bad weather. They didn't know if they'd landed in Delta or Fillmore or someone to wait out the the storm. Mm. But then within about 20 minutes, they uh, confirmed that they'd crashed and Mm. that it was search and rescue. And so I called Garrett Gunderson. I woke him up and I told him what had happened. And then I called Ray and Les's wives, Tina and Danita, Mm. and I woke them up and told them what had happened. And those are phone calls you don't ever want to have to make. And uh, all three of the wives were pregnant. The pilot, my two business partners' wives, all three of them were pregnant at the time of the plane crash. It took four days to recover the first body and the fifth day to recover the other two. Uh, Utah Lake's very uh, uh, shallow. It's only, I think, the depth, uh, the, the deepest part of the lake is only like 15 feet deep. And so it's very murky and the, you know, it moves and shifts. And I was just amazed at the, uh, all the volunteers in the search and rescue that were there volunteering their time day into the night, uh, Colorado city out here, a crew from Colorado city came out and vault. There's five men that left their families and their jobs with a boat with scuba gear, volunteering search and rescue up there to look for them. Yeah. It was very sobering. That's just, yeah. I mean, that leaves anybody speechless. Like, what do you do, right? What do you, where do you go in your business from there? Yeah. How do you keep it going? Oh, it was rough. It was rough for Garrett and I. It was rough of, way rougher for their families, of course. Uh, but thank God they, uh, my partners practice what uh, we preached and what we preach today and what I'm passionate about in my book, What We're Worth. And that's the protection, protection equals production. We all want insurance. We all, Mm -hmm. if I ask you, Eric, right now, if there was no cost for you to own life insurance, how much would you have? No cost. As much as possible. As much as you could get, right? We all want it. We just don't want to pay for it. So we can recontextualize that in our mind. And I didn't know we were going to go here, but this is what I do for a living is help entrepreneurs and businessmen and women with this in their lives where we can recontextualize the areas where we do, do not have unique talents and transfer that risk to an insurance company and allow them to manage that for us. So if you're not already leveraging this, Eric, in your life or anybody else listening to this, view insurance as a way to transfer the risk versus retaining, up, retaining it to free us up mentally to continue to produce in our area of expertise. It's the division of labor. I'm not an expert at managing that risk in my area of life, so I'm going to transfer that risk to an insurance company and let them manage that for me because I'm clear about my what my area of expertise is, my number one investment. Where I should take risk, where anybody should take risk, in my opinion, is the area that they have control, knowledge, expertise, purpose, and passion. And this, this part right here is probably what I know Mike the most for, like that whole idea. And, and you, you said before, and I, this is what sticks with me is anything else is gambling. Yeah. yeah. And I've passed that along to a lot of my friends too, because I believe in exactly what you're saying that, yeah. and I've done it yeah. in my life at a huge scale. No, but have I lost $15,000 here. Yes. Have I lost like a thousand dollars there? Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. But it's because it wasn't an area of expertise. It wasn't in real estate. 
It was in something else. I yeah. haven't lost to date, knock on wood, wherever it is, any money in real estate. Could I? Sure. It's not going to scare me from like going and taking my shot. But your point is it's an area of expertise. You know more about it. You have more control over it. It's less risky. Yeah. Well, and it's also important to recognize, and I talk about this in the book, What We're Worth, variety. So uh, let's back up. Uh, certainty, uncertainty, significance, and love are the four basic. Tony Robbins talks about this. He taught me this in 2018, 2017, 2018 at UPW, Unleash the Power Within. Certainty, uncertainty, significance, and love are the four basic needs of every human. It's a basic need we will fulfill. It's not a want, it's yeah. a need. Just like oxygen is a need in order to stay alive. Certainty, uncertainty, uncertainty is variety and risk. So be conscious that risk, uncertainty, and variety in, is, in our life is something that we will fulfill. So be conscious of that and, 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 and be conscious of where you're going to take that versus just allowing it to happen. Because if we're not targeting a specific area like our business or our career where we take that risk, we will fulfill it in other areas. And that's why most people gamble because they stop challenging themselves. They get bored. And in that boredom, subconsciously, they're like, oh, I got to challenge myself. So they do stupid shit yeah. so they can go in and fix that because that fulfills them. Right. right. So be aware of that. Challenge yourself in every area of your life and wake up warrior. It's body being balance and business. Challenge yourself in your body. Challenge yourself in your being, which is your spiritual side of your life. Challenge yourself in your balance, which are your relationships with your wife and kids and others that you care the most about. And then certainly in business. When we live a challenged-based lifestyle, we fulfill that need of variety and risk, uncertainty in our life. We're fulfilled the most and we create the most for those around us. So why would we ever stop that? Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. Till the day you die. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think we were talking at your house one time about that idea that you mentioned in, in all of that that you said of just like sometimes we create our own mess, right? Like we, we do. do it on purpose. And if you guys didn't catch that, catch it because it's so deep. It's so yeah. good. It shows up in every single one of our lives somewhere. And it a lot does. of times, I think the first time that I heard you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was my relationship with my wife. Mm. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to share this. It's somewhat vulnerable, but I, everybody's going to be able to relate, I think. And if you don't, I'm sorry, but it's with like intimacy. So it's like, as guys, we want it all the time. As yeah. women, usually they don't, right? And so it's like, I found that if I was just like, oh, I just want like to be able to connect with my wife that way, I would like create drama on my own, we would have a crying session together and then we'd work through it. And then we'd be like, okay, well let's capitalize Make on this. Sex. And then you have yep. sex. Yep. And it's like, I guarantee there's somebody listening to this right now. It's like, oh my gosh, I do that yep. too. Yep. And that as messed up as it is. It happens. Yep. And I didn't even know I was doing that yeah, until I was man. sitting in your house and it hit me when you said that. Oh really? I'm that like, would... oh my gosh, I totally do that. Yeah. Like, once a month, every other month. I don't know, but it happens a few times a year. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. 
So my story around my relationship with Wendy, which by the way, we're going to be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where this story came from, but in my marriage, I had a story. Again, I don't know if I got it from my dad, an old neighbor, read it in a book. I don't know, but I had this story that when I got married after 15 years of being married, I would know everything about Wendy. She'd know everything about me and we Mm. would not fight any longer. Mm. 15 years. Mm. 15 years came and went and we were still colliding. (laughs) And in my mind, I told myself another story as a result of that. She must not be the one. Mm. Imagine how I started showing up with that story. Because you created an expectation. One foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Until I became aware of that story and I challenged myself on that area. Is this true? Is it not true? The the work by Byron Katie. The stack. Great resource. The stack and wake up warrior. And I created a new story, a new belief around marriage, which is I'm going to date Wendy the rest of my life. Think about when you're dating your wife. What was life like? It was fun. It was exciting. You can still date your wife wife when you have kids. It's our mindset. It's our belief system. It's our perspective around whatever we're looking at. Perspective determines action. Yes. So what's our story? What's our perspective? Man, Wendy and I have a ton of fun. Yeah. A ton of fun together. Things still come up, but I've got both feet in now, not one foot in, one foot out. Right. Right, right, right. I love Big that. Big difference. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know about the stack. Um, I know about the stack because of Nick do you Alfano. the stack? We do the stack. We do the stack. Um, Beautiful. I love it because- We haven't talked about that. We haven't, I don't think. <laughs> no, but I knew that you, I mean, if you're part of Wake Up Where, I know that that's kind of where Nick was- Nick yeah. Alfano. Yeah. The foundation was, mm-hmm, of what he mm-hmm. preaches and lives today. But to, I mean, to touch on it for those that don't know, the stack is basically you take a belief yep. and you run it through, we'll call it a protocol or a series of questions. A series of questions. That help you reframe it to where it's like, you know, you're always blaming somebody else for something or yep. you, know, you blame your wife maybe for, yep. um, and you could stack multiple different, uh, angles of yeah. why you're frustrated right and yeah. and attack every single one but it basically goes like you know does this serve me mm-hmm. does this thought serve yeah. me is it useful is it working or not working is it moving me closer to happiness or further away yeah it's introspection yeah it's belief work and then you just change the story around yeah. it right yeah. which we can but we can change our story about everything mm-hmm. anything to serve us or yeah. to have it be what you yeah. know it helps us get to where we actually want to go yeah which is yeah. powerful it's way there's powerful. been people say, uh, about the stack there's psychologists that have said if everybody will just go through the stack i would be out of a job because <laughs> it's so powerful in helping people work towards their through their own shits and i know that's like really extreme but at the same time it is a powerful tool yeah so byron katie i think she has a website where people can go check that the out. work dot the work.com work. okay yep. cool yeah yeah the dark side of the light chasers by debbie ford is another great resource and then byron katie's book uh loving what is loving what is yep yeah is another great resource mm-hmm. yeah but the stack yeah it's revolutionary i think it's uh if not the top it's the top of the list of what garrett white has created with wake up warrior he cr- in the beginning days of Wake Up Warrior in 2012, when he started Warrior, which is when I started with him, and I've been in it every year since, he didn't have the stack. 
And we actually took the worksheet of the work by Byron Katie, and that's how the stack got started. But now it's an incredible resource. It's on our phones. It's an app. Yep. There's lots of different stacks. There's frustration stacks, happy stacks, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, production stacks. Uh, My favorite is the prayer stack. So I'm having a conversation with God. And I've done enough stacks, thousands of them over the years, where I can utilize what's in the other stacks, but just follow the format in the prayer stack. And another great resource to back up all of that is a book called The Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham. I don't think I've heard of that one. He was the original billionaire. He's a billionaire, but he's the original billionaire in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he was the rich dad, Keith Cunningham. He teaches in Robert Kiyosaki's life, like real life. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's how he based the book off of him. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I bet a lot of people listening to this didn't know that. Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, But the book, The Road Less Stupid, Keith wrote this book, uh, Cunningham, and he talks about how we, and I'm going to say other powerful men and women, we like to answer powerful questions. And he calls it thinking time. So it's about being very deliberate about our thinking time. And the stack is a series of powerful questions that we answer to go inward to challenge our beliefs and our stories. But what backs that up for me in business with Keith Cunningham, a billionaire, very successful. I mean, rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. um, is Is asking strategically having thinking time where we ask ourselves a series of powerful questions. It's the whole, it's the whole I'm going to measure twice and cut once mindset yeah. of Stephen Covey, right? So yeah, thinking time, asking ourselves powerful questions. Love it. And the self, and, and for me, when I think about all of that, doing the work, working out all these areas of my life, it's out of self-interest. I like doing the deep introspection work because it's okay for me to want what I want. I want to be happy. I want yes. to be fulfilled. And when I'm challenging myself and I'm striving towards something in all areas of my life, I'm fulfilled. And when I'm fulfilled, I create the most for those around me. Yep. So why would I ever want to stop that? And why wouldn't you, everybody want to always feel fulfilled so we can create value for others, right? Like if everybody did that, yeah, it would be a different world. Success leaves clues. So I love studying yep mentors and other people in my own life about what's worked versus what has not worked. And there are, we could probably list so many items that some of the most successful people that we know do in their life on a consistent basis. And one of those areas, and we were talking about this before we uh, hit record is uh, struggling. Yes. And the benefit of struggling, you know, just like lifting weights, uh, it's that resistance in our life that creates the the growth and the building. And this is relevant for me right now uh, because of uh, uh, in my life parenting right now um, and thinking about our kids, it's, it's allowing them to struggle and not doing things for them. If we take our own life and how we got to where we're at is because of our struggles and the resistance that we've felt and pushed through that we've learned the most and created the most from. So don't take that away from your kids. Yes. Let them struggle. Yes. Let them feel that. Don't do that for them. Look at where you got in your own life. Look at the most successful people. And one of those characteristics is struggling. And along with that, I totally agree 
And when we're struggling, just know you're on the right path. Yeah. Like you should expect it. And I think most people, the way that they approach struggle or pain is let's run the other way. We don't want it. Yeah. And that's true. But what if you lean into pain? Yeah. Not saying that you create it. You don't self-sabotage like we talked about. And, And you've said you don't create a mess. Yeah. But like working out is creating pain for your body every single day. Yeah. It's painful for me at night when it's 10 o'clock and I'm exhausted because I wake up at 5, 530 and I want to go to bed, but I choose to journal. That's painful, Yeah. yeah. but I feel better by doing it and I'm better prepared when I plan the night before for the next day yeah. and I actually have less stress because I know what I'm doing. There's all these little bits of pain and there's there's bigger pieces of pain that we can, I mean, honestly, Wake Up Warrior, the program, Yeah. there's others, yeah. there's lots of others. These mastermind groups, I, you, and a lot of people that we know are like these programs. Why? Because they're challenging physically. They're challenging mentally. You don't just sit in a mastermind group and sit at a desk and get fed all this information and peacock, I call it, and just say, oh, yeah, look how cool my business is. Look how cool I am. Look how cool my marriage is when it's all a bunch of crap anyway. These masterminds break you down, yeah. and you have to be actually like be held to the truth and yeah. then fix it. I mean, those are painful. The first one I ever did, I was like, this sucks. I called yeah. my wife and I was like, I yeah. am exhausted. I can barely walk. Yeah. And it was awesome. I got done with that and I thought it was great. But it was in that experience that you really started to find out who you were and what you were capable of. And you were able to push through to other levels that you didn't know were possible until you actually experienced it. Yeah. One of the best analogies that I have for that is uh and you mentioned this earlier off-road racing mm-hmm. i grew up in the motorcycle shops you know cycle town yamaha that i mm-hmm. talked about so i've always been around motorized vehicles dirt bikes things of that nature and then the utvs come out can-am yep x3s the polaris uh razors and things of that nature the side-by-sides the utvs so six and a half seven years ago in wake up where i wanted to challenge myself and so i said i'm going to create an off-road race team and I'm going to race off road. And I thought it was like this big, massive, hairy goal. Well, a year and a half later, next thing you know, I'm building a race car and my son and I are racing and then I'm putting clients in the car. And I got to a certain level of racing where we were winning, we're on the podium, but we weren't winning championships. And then I sit in the race car with the number one off-road racer at the time, Phil Blurton, arguably the number one today. And he took me for a ride in his car. This guy's won like the Baja 1000 overall. Like he's just incredible. I sit in the car and I feel an experience. I didn't read Mm. it. I didn't watch it in a movie. I didn't watch it. I felt Felt it it. and I experienced what it was like by someone at his skill level to take Mm. a turn, to go fast, to do this, to go over for like an hour. And so because I felt it and I experienced it, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. Now I know it's possible and I can go back home and I can go to work knowing that that's possible. So the program wake up warrior and man, Eric, I'm just so glad that you're bringing this to St. George, Utah. Seriously. That's massive. If anybody's thinking about it, like get into a conversation and seriously consider it because that feeling of experiencing it and feeling it myself the next year we won the championship overall 
the because next year you after that, that feeling. we won the championship. Yeah. Three years in the row, we won the championship mm. overall. We're the only team that has done that to date. Three years in a row, consecutively. Yeah, there's something there for sure. Now, when I felt that, I had to come back home and I had to practice. And I'm going out here to Warner Valley twice a week and I'm practicing and practicing and practicing. But because I had felt it, I knew it was possible. Now you're possible. just trying to get that feeling back. Yes. When you go out and practice. I know yeah. what that feels like, so let me replicate that. Because yes. success leaves clues, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So the program, Wake Up Warrior, other things of that nature, you'll go there and you'll feel that. Yeah. Maybe for the first time in your life of what's possible or what more is possible in every area of your life. Yeah. That's why they're designed that way. And so I was so happy when you first sent me that uh, text. Uh, wasn't it Nick? Uh Nick Long, you're, you're, you took, took a picture of Nick Long because Nick says, oh, yeah, I know Michael or something like yeah. that. And you sent me a picture after we'd had lunch. And and I'm just so happy that uh, you'd done that and that you're bringing it to St. George. What an opportunity. I don't think people really realize until they experience it or realize what uh, what's going to be taking place here in you, September. Your driving yeah. analogy is perfect. You don't realize until you feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't until you're in the seat and you feel it. And I remember the first one that I ever did, and this is for everybody listening, lean into things that you don't want to do. Lean into the things that you don't want to do. So when your body and your mind are saying, I don't want to do that, ask yourself, but should I do it? Yeah. People listening right now here and you say that they're thinking, you're thinking in your mind right now, Oh, you're whatever you're thinking of right now that you don't know if you should lean into or not. That's exactly what you're talking about. That's what you should lean your into. Your body, your brain, your, yourself, your higher power knows exactly. And it just told you what yep. you need to lean into. Yep. So go lean into it because that's the answer for where yep. you need to go in your life. Yep. Just go do it. Look in the mirror to find the way. People know they just have to slow down a little bit and slow things down, all the noise around them. That's why this thinking time, yes. and I like doing it first thing in the morning. And I like asking myself those questions. I like slowing things down. First thing in the yes. morning, nobody else is up in the house. And I slow things down. There's not the pride and ego there as great. And I slow things down. And I ask myself the powerful questions. And the answer's there. Yes. The answer's always there. Yep. We know it's just all the noise out there in the it's world today totally that true. drowns that out. It's totally true. Yeah. Yep. The gold, like exactly what we're saying. We just don't set, we're not intentional enough. We're not setting it up to where we can go win like that. I love the saying, I think I, I think I've shared it with you. Maybe not, but I'll share it here. What you're capable of becoming, you haven't even imagined yet. Yeah. Which is a powerful thought. Yeah. When you think about that imagined yet, where are you going to imagine if you don't wake up early and go and like imagine and dream, yeah. right? For me, it's journaling time. I think that helps me the most. That's where I slow down. I think I shared this at your house as well. When you journal, you're actually slowing. Your brain has to slow down because you can only write so fast. Your brain is crazy fast. We can think five different thoughts all at once, and it all makes sense and comes together, and it's like lightning speed. The speed of thought is incredibly fast, but when you have to write it out, you have to slow down. Pen and paper. Pen and paper. I write about that in the back of the book. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you'll like that, I That's think. That's cool. Yeah, because we've talked about it. Yep. Yeah. I, let's keep going a little bit with your story, right? Like, okay, partners, tragedy. How did you keep going? What happened <laughs> there? And you had like this <laughs> rock bottom. How'd you get out of it? Yeah. So I succumbed to the high risk equals high reward, low risk equals low reward Which you and mentality. Garrett Gunderson talk about, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. 
and it's so prevalent out there in the marketplace today. That's why I'm so passionate about the core message of what we're worth and what I'll be sharing in just a moment. But I succumbed to that and I put all my chips in the table because I got bored in my business. And so I was looking for the solution outside of myself, outside of my control. And I ended up losing $4.8 million of our family's life savings. It was everything we had, everything, the end of 2007. And I, uh, I was distraught, man. Like, uh, uh, have you heard of the term foobard? I haven't. <laughs> foobard. Is it an acronym? Yeah. Fuck. F'd up beyond all. <laughs> it's from a movie. It's from some old movie. Maybe people listening. I was surprised I haven't heard Beyond it, all but... relief. So, okay. so mentally I was totally distraught. I was out of it. I had lost everything financially and I had tied myself worth to money. So when I lost my money, I lost my sense of self-worth. And I'm saying this today because of all the work that I've done at the time, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. I was depressed. I was taking narcotic pain pills to numb myself out. I was on antidepressants and I was drinking excessively. I was a complete asshole to be around. And I knew it. Uh, I shut my business down. I had no courage, no confidence. I was suicidal. And I wasn't healthy to be around. And my wife uh, and kids knew it. And it was a Tuesday morning, October of 2010, when I heard a knock at our front door, 6 a.m. I go to the door, open it up, and it's my wife's family standing there. And they said, we're here to move Mm -hmm. Wendy and the kids out. I couldn't blame blame them. I knew I wasn't healthy to be around. And 12 hours later, I found myself on the bathroom floor screaming to God, why, God, why? I dropped to my knees. My nose is snotty, bleeding. And I load a bullet into a Ruger P89 pistol and I press it up against the roof of my mouth. Finger on the trigger, ready to end it all over money over money, having lost all that money and having dozens of clients lose a lot of money in this bad investment. When I had a rush come over my body that I had not felt before, I carefully set the gun down and I committed to God and myself in that moment, Tuesday of October, 2010, that I would extract the lessons apply them in my life and to share them with as many people as I possibly could. And that's exactly what I've been doing every day since 45 days later, after sobering up, I moved back in with Wendy and the kids. And when Wendy left, it wasn't, Hey, I want a divorce. It's, Hey, you're not healthy to be around. Mm -hmm. So I sobered up, moved back in with Wendy and the kids. I called Garrett Gunderson. I called Garrett white. Garrett white hadn't even created wake up warrior yet. I called a few other people because I started recognizing that I had this other balance sheet in my life that I wasn't aware of at the time, but we all have, you know what an income statement and a balance sheet is? Yeah. Yeah. We list assets and liabilities on the prop, what I call a property value balance sheet because I had lost all my property value assets. I hadn't even been thinking about this other balance sheet that I write Mm. about in this book called a human life value balance sheet. Human life value. It's our mental capital. It's who we are as a person. Yeah. 
It's our knowledge, our experiences in life, our morals, our values, our integrity. And one of those line items on the human life value balance sheet is relationship capital. So I called Garrett Gunderson. I called Garrett White. I called a few other people that I trusted and looked up to and started having conversations. And I went to work because I was committed to extract the lesson. So part of this thinking time, these morning routines, the stack is about extracting the lesson of whatever belief or story or experience that we're thinking about or talking about and getting clear about the life lessons. That's why you hear me state all these life lessons because of the work that I've done in my own life and I'm so passionate about it. So I started applying that and from 2011 to 2018, I'd earned back all the money that I had lost and I'd helped thousands of other clients do the same in their own life. And that's my life work in that book, What We're Worth, because I had lost my sense of self-worth because I'd tied it to my financial balance sheet, giving no regard to my human life value balance sheet. Human life value is the source and creator of all property value. So it's a simple equation. If we want to increase our property value, first seek to increase our mental capital, our human life value, our knowledge, our expertise, our experiences. Go be part of the program. Join that. Get into a mastermind. Hire a coach. Read some books. Have some experiences. Those doing that in our life, challenging ourselves, will fulfill us, right? The basic need of uncertainty. We will be fulfilled the most and we will offer the most to those around us. Right. So I've been doing that. I'm super passionate about it today. Um, I continue. There's no finish line. Yeah. I don't want there to be a finish line because I want to do this for as long as I possibly can. Because again, I'm going to be the healthiest and I have the most to offer to those around me. I just had this thought as you're saying that, because I've, I mean, I'm 32 and I've already felt this, right? And I know you felt <laughs> this too. Is like, sometimes you feel like, yeah, what else could I even be interested in? You ever felt that way? Mm-hmm. Like, I like, for me, baseball, I like pickleball. I like, I like business, certain aspects, like hanging out with my family and you just list all these things. It's like, what else could there be? Yeah. What a great question to ask though. What that else? is a great question. It to is. Ask. What open. else could there be? Stay open. Don't shut the door. Yes. Stay yes. open. Yes. Continue Absolutely. to ask yourselves those those powerful questions because it evolves. It changes. I'm a grandpa now. Yep. Our daughter gave birth to our grandson just over it's a, a year ago. Yep. And it's opened and up it, this door to all these other things that I didn't know was possible until it happened. So continue to stay open to all of that for sure. And, and, you know, Mike, for me. And maybe somebody feels this way. Maybe this will like spark something in them. That's why I'm going to share it. Is that my dad is very closed off to anything new. Mm. If he goes to a restaurant, it's the same thing. And it's been the same thing my entire life. He will order the same thing. But it's like, hey, dad, do you want to come over and watch UFC? We never watched UFC growing up ever in our Love my parents' house. And I didn't start liking it until about three years ago. And before then, I was like, oh, I hate that stuff. It's bloody, gory. Who would do that? I like love it now, me and my wife. And we were both kind of the same way. Mm. And so that, I mean, that's one of many examples of like, like we're talking sports for a second. Tennis, I thought was stupid. We love tennis now. Golf, I thought was a waste of grass. (laughs) I love golf now. I think it's way fun and I'll actually watch it. So Mm. like, 
what changed? I changed. I changed my perspective on, hey, if somebody likes it and somebody's passionate about this, maybe I could be too. And what would that take? Yeah. And I think most of the time it comes down to leaning into it and finding some success at it. It's actually more fun because if you reach a high level, let's say in like off-road racing or baseball or something like that, it almost kind of becomes like, man, I kind of have reached like this shelf. But the fun for me is like starting over at the bottom and yeah, seeing challenging, all, yourself. challenging yourself when yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And there's yeah. so much out there. We'll never, ever, ever run out of things to do like that ever. Yeah. If we so open our mic, you said something in that uh, uh, thought process, which was, "What would it take?" I think that's an extremely powerful question mm. that we can not only ask ourselves, but we can teach our kids. What would it take? What would it take to Dad? get that? And, but to but be that. ready for it. Be ready for it because if you teach it to your kids, and then they uh. come to you and they say, "Hey, Dad, I want this." What would it take? <laughs> and you want your kids to be independent. You want them to struggle. You want them to be self-reliant. Yes. Because they'll be the healthiest if, if, if you treat them that way. That's, what, that's the ingredients of how we got to where we're at. And it's no different for them. Yeah. So when we're clear about what we want, and again, it's okay to want what we want, because it's healthy for us and it's healthiest for those around us. When we're clear about what we want and why we want it, then it's the question of what would it take? And then another powerful, powerful question that I learned from Garrett White that I believe of people that participate in the program with you and Nick coming up here next month is who would I have to become? What would it take? Yeah. Who would I have to become? Let that be something that's exciting to struggle again. It was a struggle for me to write that book. Yeah. Oh man, a year and a half. For a 90-page book, 25,000 <laughs> words. But I put myself out there, and I just hired a new coach, uh, Bo Eason, uh, just a couple of months ago because I want to learn how to be more effective at storytelling. Mm -hmm. And he's the best person I know out there at storytelling, and he's teaching me a lot of other stuff also. But, but it's a struggle for me. i got a lot of great things going on in my life, but I continue to challenge myself because I know that in doing so, I'm fulfilled the most and I create the yeah. most for those around me. We're a lot alike in that, naturally. That I, I, The same way. I've got to try new things and do new things. And then like your speaking thing and yeah. writing a book. It's just like, if I don't, I just go crazy. Yeah. But aren't you glad that you're aware of that? Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of that for years. <laughs> and so I would sabotage shit personally and professionally so I could go in and create and fix things. So be mm. aware of it in all areas of our life, personally and professionally, so we don't create all that shit mm -hmm. around us. Continue to challenge ourselves. That's why it's so healthy. Because if we don't fulfill it, we will end up fulfilling it, but we may end up fulfilling it in a destructive way. In a destructive way. Instead yeah. Of a, yeah. Instead of a healthy way. Yep. Like we talked about before with my relationship with my wife and everything. Yes. Yes. It yep. can show up anywhere. Hey, I wanted to comment on your dad too when you're when you're talking yeah. about your dad and, and eating certain things and stuff. I read this book in 2013 that Garrett White challenged me to read, and it was written by some Ashaya monks. And it's called Ascension. And you can find it at theashayafoundation.org. O-R-G. And it's called Ascension, just a small paperback book. And 
they talk about in there about right and wrong and not, not so much as using that in your life, but using more of what's working and what's not working in our life. So I don't view things as much as I used to as right or wrong and putting a limiting belief on me or really like I'm, I'm using what's working or not, what's not working. So maybe for your dad, Eric, it's working for him, man. Who's to say? Yeah. He's the only one that can say. You're the only one that can say for yourself. I'm the only one that can say for myself if it's working or not working. And I use that as a measurement today now more than ever before. It's either working or not working. Yeah. Alex Ramosi, uh, he said the same thing in a different way. Yeah. It was, my only hobby is work. That's all I do. I wake up, I, I go to the gym, I work. And then when I, I, I work as long as I possibly can until I literally can't anymore because my body shuts down and I'll go to bed and I'll do it again. And if that's working for him, great. That's Keep his, doing that it. was his point, right? Keep doing like, it. And then everybody around him says, well, that's not healthy. And he's like, who are you to tell me what's healthy? Exactly. This is something that yep. fulfills me and makes me feel good. How is that not healthy? How, how can that not be healthy? it's absurd in his mind that people can take something like that and just like put a little cage and box around it yeah. and say, well, this is gen the, you know, this is a, a great statement for everyone. And it's like, no, we're all so different. I don't expect everybody to be like me. Yeah. And celebrate that man. Yeah. Celebrate that for sure. Which is a cool thought. Yeah. It is a cool thought. Yeah. So many good thoughts. <laughs> You're going to share another one. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, uh, um, I love sharing this with all my clients and we've touched on some of this, but I call it the AIS triangle. Number one asset, number one investment, number one strategy. We've been talking about number one asset. You are the number one asset, the human life value balance sheet, the property value balance sheet. People are assets. Things are not the studio that we're in, the home that we're in, the cars that we drive, they have no value whatsoever until a human life gives it value. Yes. So people are the true assets. People are assets, things are not. Human life value is the source and creator of all property value. That's number one asset. Number one investment, we touched on this, but I wanna make sure everyone's clear about this. What's put the most amount of money in your pocket and everybody else out there listening, what will continue to put the most amount of money in your pocket is what you've had control over what you have the most knowledge and expertise in, purpose and passion, that's your career, that's your business. I've never seen it any different. I have clients all across the country making hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And it's the career that they're in, it's the business that they own and operate that's put the most amount of money in their pocket and it's what will continue to. That's where you take risk. Recognizing, we've talked about this tirelessly in the, in this uh, podcast, that risk is essential as a need for us, but take it in your career, take it in your business that you own and operate, that you have control in and purpose and passion. Anything outside of that is gambling. So we use that as a measurement with our clients, with their money. We first look, we have them buy into AIS, number one asset, number one investment. We'll talk about number one strategy. But number one investment, if they're doing anything with their money where they're relinquishing control and they're taking risk on it, that's the gamble. And that gamble takes away from not only their ability to continue to produce in their business or career at the highest level, but their enjoyment in life. If we're off in our marriage or we're not enjoying areas of our life, it can take away from our ability to produce. 
I've rescheduled a full day of client appointments in the past when I was off with Wendy, my wife, when we're in a big argument or something going on there. Yeah. So number one asset is you. Number one investment is your career or your business. Yep. That's where you take risk. Number one strategy, cash that you're going to relinquish control of, keep it GPL, guaranteed, protected, and liquid. Mainly to protect your courage and confidence so you can continue to produce in your career, your business at the highest level because nothing will outperform that. Yep. Do you agree with that? Yep, I agree. I agree. Here's a thought that I'm going to throw a curveball on because I just want to know your opinion. And I'm not like trying to play <laughs> devil's advocate, but no, I've just it seen it. And I, I just want to know your raw thought on it. Sure. It's the thought that, you know, successful people know when to stop. That, that successful people, some successful people, um, don't don't look at quitting as always a failure or always bad something, right? Mm-hmm. So there's some people that I know that won't quit their nine to five. They won't quit the plumbing job that they have where they're working for somebody or the whatever job uh, we could list a million. I'm not going to list anymore, but, and, but they always want something else. They want something bigger or maybe they really are unhappy with what they do. Right. Cause they're not passionate about it. Like it's doesn't fill them with purpose and drive. Uh, I think every business kind of has some elements of that. I mean, it's not, sunshine and rainbows all the time sometimes it's a grind getting getting to my question i'm I'm kind of circling it yeah my question is when do you know when to like quit when do you know when to give give it up when do you know when to like hey this isn't i'm going to go do something else i'm going to go do something else that's not my area right now of expertise Mm -hmm. And take a gamble on that. Not necessarily, I mean, sometimes it's with money, but I'm curious to know your thought. Yeah. Two things come to my mind. The economics and then what I call the sleep test. So there's ways to measure things economically. And then there's ways to measure things, which is the sleep test. And the sleep test is perspective. Like I know that if I wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., and I read and I write and I do my stack and I have my gratitude and I have some meditation and some prayer and I go work out and I sweat and I eat a certain way during the day, I'm going to achieve certain results. And then if I sleep good at night, that ensures results in my life also. So there's the economics of a, of a decision and then there's the sleep test. And each person has to measure that for themselves but it's getting very clear about what they really want and why they want it. And some people I believe stay in things way too long Mm. out of fear and out of uh, past limiting beliefs. That's why I'm so big about the human life value balance sheet because there's assets and there's also liabilities on the human life value balance sheet and those liabilities, which we haven't talked about, but we've talked about them just not directly about the human life value balance sheet. Those liabilities are limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves. I'm not worthy. I'm uh, shame, guilt. Uh, um, I'm not lovable. I don't love myself. I don't trust myself. I don't trust other people. Those limiting beliefs. And some people just aren't aware of those. Yeah, They're not. They're not aware of them. They're not doing the deep introspective work within themselves. So if you're getting anything out of this, just commit to doing the work. 
whatever that work may be, uh, you know, enroll in the program and start learning about personal development. If you're not doing that, challenge yourself. I mean, one of the, mm. what a great challenge for them to be able to come and do here in St. George, Utah versus having to travel somewhere for that. But does that answer your question? I think so. I mean, what I'm getting from it is just lean into like, can we, we've talked about before lean into something that you don't want to do, but you know, you should do. And yeah. You know so if someone's actually having that thought and feeling that, then that's it. That's it. If they're having that thought or feeling that, that's going to continue. So if that thought lasts, then that's an even bigger marker for them to say, oop, I ought yeah. to look at this. I've heard it so many times. Like, I know I should start this business. I've been thinking about this for years. And then it's always, but this is secure. This is safe. You know what I'm doing? Like, this gives me a base. What's your answer to that question? You're a smart guy. Yeah. I mean... Can you make a blanket statement for every person? No, because there's so many businesses and there's so many situations. But I think if I am trying to make a blanket statement, it is just by going for something, how can you fail? I feel like I've always regretted the chances that I don't take, and I never regretted really the chances that I did take. And so my my philosophy, if it's the philosophy of Eric, is... Go, go take your shot. Find a way to set yourself up. If I'm shooting a gun, find yourself a way to take the best shot to your target as possible. Get grounded, tuck your arm in, dial in your scope, mm-hmm. take your shot the mm-hmm. best that you can. You may not hit the bullseye, yeah, but take the shot. But take the shot. Yeah. Don't not take the shot. Yeah. Because I think we're too scared of bankruptcy. I think we're too scared of we lose everything. I think we're too scared of, oh, we can't make this payment or whatever. We're going to lose the house. There's so many people that have done that and bounce back and bounce back bigger. But it's not just the money, Mike. It's the growth that happened along the way. It's that human life value that you're talking about. That it was a blessing in their life, if we frame it that way, that that happened. Because now that they take with them when they die that value stays with them. 100%. The money just follows the value. Yep. Right? Yep. Definitely. That's my answer. Yeah. I, 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 it's vague. It's it's just a principle, but that's that's what I would say. Yeah. Yep. And some people are are comfortable where they're at and what they're doing or the pain may be great enough that causes them to actually make a shift or do something. So, I love yeah. that idea. Pain, pain for a lot of people is the reason why they do things, right? It's yeah. the fear of more pain in that area. They don't want it. Yeah. Oh, I thought I had while you're, uh, as yeah. I was searching for it, uh, a mentor. Mm. So finding a mentor. Have you had mentors in your life? Yes. Yeah. And as def- many things as I can. Yeah. I, and I do too to this day today. And I love mentoring. And are they cheap? And I No. And <laughs> no. I pay for mentors. <laughs> I pay for them. And I like to mentor also. And people pay me to, for me to mentor them. So if there's an area where you want to learn about, find a mentor, find someone who is and is being successful in that area and then ask them to mentor you. I'm just a firm believer that at a young age, I I sought after someone that could assist me in that area of my life because I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have that father figure and I didn't have that business person. And so I search for that. And, and now there's just lots of ways that you can you can find that and have that in your life. So if you are that nine to five, but you're wanting it to look at this er- other area of something that you want to do, find a mentor in that area yeah. that you can trust. There's a lot of great ones out there. And find multiple. I mean, I yeah. would, I'm yeah. 32. You're turning 50? Two. 52. Tomorrow. 
tomorrow. I knew it was coming <laughs> soon. I was somewhere in the low 50s. Yeah. I consider you a mentor, and you're 20 cool. years older than me. Cool. Right? But you're somebody that's taught me a lot of things that helps me reframe things, think about things differently. Yeah. This whole human life value thing, yeah. money follows value that's been created. Yeah. People are the true asset. This is gold. This is stuff that maybe makes sense to people after they hear it, but we don't naturally think this way because society doesn't really vibe on this. We're not taught it in schools. And if you start to reframe that, the sky's the limit because all of this stuff is built to where, hey, you can retrain your brain to think however you want it to, and, and then really the sky is the limit. Yeah. And again, it's either working or it's not working. So if anybody listening to this is feeling any sort of angst inside, that's the litmus test of it's not working. Mm. You're feeling peace. It's working. It's like feedback. Someone gives me feedback and it fires me up and I'm irritated by it. That's a blinking light for me that says, oop, you may want to look at that, Michael. Yeah. But if I don't, I'm like, ah, whatever. It's just feedback. Yep. But if, I, if I'm feeling something from it, then that's my test of, uh, ooh, you may want to look at that. And then if it persists, it's like, ooh, you may want to really look at that. <laughs> I love it. There's so many good things today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I could count probably 10 plus things that people could take away and just write notes down all day long on this one. Tons of fun. Thanks for coming on. You're it welcome. was a ton of fun. And I yeah. appreciate you coming on um, again, guys, this book is solid. So if you feel like you got a lot from this podcast, it's all in here, really. Yeah. Like it's just laced in here and it's laced in a way that you'll remember it because it's in story form. So cool. Amazon, yep, Amazon's the way to go. And then the last thing I'll ask you is where do they find you if they want to reach out to you? What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah. Uh, social media, Michael Isom and our website is vault. AIS for number one asset, number one investment, number one strategy. Uh, go on there, uh, go to Vault AIS, take our assessment. Uh, it's 10 key areas of your life uh, in finance, but how money and finance affects our life and measure where you're at. One of the quickest ways we can get to where we want to go is to be clear about where we're at today. Mm-hmm. So I created this assessment. Yeah, you got to put your name and email address in there. We will start marketing to you, but you can just unsubscribe if you want to. But take the assessment of Vault AIS or on social media. Love it. Yeah. Mike, thanks again. Guys, if you like this episode, if you feel like it, there was value in here for you, share it. This is something that we want to get out to as many people because we just want to help as many people open their eyes to this stuff as possible. We're not really going to make any money off of you doing that or anything. It's just that we want to share this with as many people as possible. So share it on your social media, share it with your friends, text them, shoot them the link. Like this episode, I feel like in the right hands could change lives. Cool. So again, appreciate you coming guys. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening this far. We'll see you next time. 